0: it is wonderful to have Wendy back with us in studio to talk about uh, quite a variety today. Dry cleaners responsibilities to your clothes, the great fish paste disappearance and a few other bits and pieces of general consumer news. As always, if you want to join the conversation, share your own experience or ask a question, you can dial in on 0214460567 or send a voice note to 0725671567. Welcome back, Wendy.
1: Thank you, Pippa, so nice to be sitting across a desk from you. Yes, instead of on a phone line, absolutely. change,
0: yes. I confess, I haven't needed to use a dry cleaner for many years. So I was actually quite taken aback when I first heard about the the case we were tackling today because it seemed like such an obvious answer to me, but apparently it's more complicated than I thought. Yeah,
1: I must say I used them a lot when my children were in high school because of the blazers. The school blazers, yeah. But yep. um, okay. not much uh, besides that. It's, it's not just uh, dry cleaners. It would be all form of um, laundromats that would, that would undertake to remove stains, things that you don't want to tackle on your own at home, basically. Yeah. Like, think you need a bit of a professional help with so the question is can those service providers legally refuse to take responsibility for any damage which their processes cause to a customer's clothing carpets surf sofa covers any sort of textile if there's no label with care instructions um, no they can't uh, but some do just that, hmm. or they have their own take on what their, where their liability begins and ends within the t- terms of conditions. They'll say, if we do um, damage, whatever your maximum compensation is, this, um, whereas in our Consumer Protection Act, which applies in this country, there's no such provision for Limiting Limit liability like yes, that. Yes, yeah. exactly. So as you can imagine, in the last, Oh, what are we now 23 years of doing this consumer journalism I have received many 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 complaints about dry cleaning jobs going horribly wrong clothes that come back with worse stains and they went in with fraying bleaching shrinking I saw a wedding dress' I was gonna say wedding over dresses the are was one of them yeah mm. oh
0: okay
1: and and it's let's put it out there as I always have to with these sort of shows is that there are obviously thousands of wonderful cleaning jobs that go
0: According to plan, according smoothie, to plan, that yeah. I
1: never hear of because nobody's going to write to me about those. So, we're talking today, as we do mostly about the exceptions, on, yeah. on the consumer feature about when things go wrong yeah. and what happens then. So, usually, what happens in the emails that I get, the customer wants compensation, of course. The dry cleaners point, the laundromats point to their signs and say, Well, you know, there it is at, at uh, client's risks. We told you up front, uh, they put it on the slip. Um, the receipt that you get. Um, but let's start with the Consumer Protection Act and we're going to get some more detailed legal input um, from Trudy Brookman, as always, a bit later. But the Consumer Protection Act is very clear. And I'm going to quote from it edited a bit when a, a supplier has possession of a property belonging to a, or ordinarily under the control of a consumer. They must not treat that property as being their property. In the handling, safeguarding, and utilization of that property, they must exercise, and these are the key words, the degree of care, diligence, and skill that can be reasonably expected of a person responsible for managing any property belonging to another person. And if they fail to do that, they are liable to the owner for any loss resulting from that failure. Okay, so that's will apply to when you take your car in for a service, when you, whatever, it has to there has to be a degree of negligence. Obviously, if if um, there's a you know twelve armed men burst into a dealership and take all the cars there, and you know. I, with, with guns trained on the... you can't say you, this that's wouldn't the apply. Fault. Yes, there's Unless, no negligence and yeah. nothing. If they if they left all the keys in the car and somebody walked in and was able to just drive off with the car, well, that's a different story. Yeah. So we're talking about whether that a failure to act professionally. Um, okay. So
0: we. Okay, so so that brings us to this week's case yes. study, which which was a, a puppy accident that that ended up being sort of great dane size to the outcome. <laughs> I mean, if I can put it that way, Wendy.
1: Well said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, The puppy belonged to Daniel Francis, uh, and this little chap took a wee on the couch, which had a removable cover. Um, So Daniel took that pale blue cover to Wash Pro, which was a laundromat on his estate in Richwood, and um, it came back with really large, as you've said, uh, bleach marks on it, front and back. It was a two hundred and forty rand job, and I've had sight of the ticket that he got. It looked very professional, printed Mm -hmm. out when the collection date, which was... um, About, I don't know, earlier this month. Um, And this is what the T's and C's say, among other things. Goods are accepted at customer's risk only. We are not responsible for loss through fire, theft, burglary, hijacking, and transit. That's all fun. Mm -hmm. And then non-removal of stains, stretching, fraying of materials, shrinking, color loss, or fading. In the case of liability, now I'm thinking that's a bit of a contradiction because they just said they're not liable. So there's obviously something... uh, you know, unsaid there. Compensation, compensation shall not exceed five times the cleaning cost. In this case, the cleaning cost was 240 Rand. Okay. okay. We follow the manufacturer's labeling instruction. If there is no label, the owner takes the risk. Therefore, we are not responsible for shrinkage, blistering, cracking, or separation of la- rubberized linings. This, uh, now, it, it stands to reason that if. Uh, a professional is saying we'll accept your goods and something goes wrong um because there's no label on it we we didn't know what this fabric was and we don't have sufficient experience to know how that would react to our processes if it doesn't work out sorry for you and clearly that's well, a rather well, yeah. too much onus too much risk to be taken by the consumer so i spoke to the supplier of the cleaning products as well. She said her products uh, could not strip, dye, or discolor any garments, but that the uric acid in urine was the likely cause of bleaching and resulting damage. So now we create the situation where that such, how did such a large um, bleaching uh, stain happen? On both, both sides. Of the and yeah. the stain had not just happened when Daniel took it in, so why was there no... Um, why wow, it just look like a normal pet where he's and not a bleach a mark? A bleach mark. So, yeah. so this story becomes um, more interesting. But I figured, I mean, dogs weighing on sofas and carpets is, is not an Fair unusual carpet, thing yeah. so let's
0: let's look at what happened okay well we've got daniel francis on the line to tell us a little bit more and uh, daniel thank you very much for, for joining us on the show today i'm sorry that we are learning uh, at your expense from the from the poor um, <laughs> experience you had but welcome
2: no problem hi guys how you doing
0: i'm well thanks and you Good, thank you. So tell us the background. That stain had actually been there for quite a while when you took it in for professional cleaning, I, I believe. Can you just tell us a little bit about how yeah, long it had been there and how big the mark
2: was? It had been there for about a week. Um, I would say the mark itself was probably no bigger than uh, the size of my fist, or just just smaller than that, actually. Um, the reason we took it in only after a week is because my girlfriend and I had only just got back from holiday, and the puppy had been being looked after by someone else. Okay. So that's the reason why we took it in a bit later than, like, immediately, yeah.
0: Okay, and when you took it in, did you tell them what the nature of the stain was that you wanted them to get out?
2: Yes, yeah. We we specifically disclosed it to the lady at the front that it was puppy we
0: Okay, so they absolutely um, you were clear that they knew what it was. Yeah. And did yeah, anybody, definitely. at the time you handed it over, Daniel, did anybody say to you there's a possibility that might react with our chemicals or we've got to be careful or any kind no, of indication at all. Of, of concern?
2: No, at all. the lady told us actually that she was going to use her golden oldie way to make sure that she did the do thing which yeah. she didn't work in the end, but yeah.
1: Golden oldie ways. Yeah. <laughs> Golden oldie ways
0: caused a big, big spread said stain cust, by the cust, looks of I was things. In the
2: end of it, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, so that's cl- you're very clear because that has be- been disputed as we'll hear. They said that you didn't say what it was, but I'm thinking. Yeah, is there's it-
2: definitely something mixed up in the back there because then the owner was talking about there being poo, which wasn't mentioned at all. So, something in the communication channels with yeah. the owner and the lady at the front of it
1: work out. Okay. The owner's in Joburg, yeah. so he wasn't on site, and I've obviously spoken to yeah. the owner, so he hasn't had a chance to be on site. But when um, the you went to collect, um, and this, this bleached uh, sofa cover was now handed to you, how did they explain it? What Talk us through the conversation that ensued. Uh, As this
2: yeah, I could, I could see from the lady's so face right away that there was a problem, first of all. And then, yeah, she just said um, that the uh, She had used um, Spanish um, on those things, and she said she wasn't sure why that um, stripped the color. She said she had spoken to her manager, and they said um, that they could dye our couch cushions black for us, but the couch is blue, so that wouldn't have helped at all. Um, And yeah, that, that was pretty much it. She gave us the number for the manager. And then I was in contact with him, who then put me in contact with the owner, who then yeah disputed the whole thing, sending me chemical reports and such and such.
1: Okay, and so that's where it sits now. I'll speak a little bit about um, my conversation with the owner, but but what are your learnings from this debacle, Daniel, um, for your uh, next driving yeah, experience? Because I think it everybody can learn from them.
2: Yeah, I mean, the main problem was I didn't get anything in the routing and, uh, when we dropped off the couch pushing. We didn't get anything to say, like, listen, this is what we've handed in. This is what the stain is from, you know, specifically, like, clarifying as was, well dog we, You know, I think if we had all in routing, it, uh, they wouldn't really have been able to dispute the fact that they knew that it was dogweed. They should know what they can and cannot, like, mm-hmm. clean agree with and then, yeah, I think that would have solved all the problems, really. So I think if we had something in writing, then it would have probably made the difference at the end of the day.
1: Excellent. Okay. And I think a lot of people wouldn't think to do that. I mean, you yeah. go in with this. Us-
2: yes. Still- yeah. I think,
1: I think I also think, sort of as a neutral third party here, when you go in with a, a stained thing, it's natural for you to say how it happened. Mm. Look, my puppy weed, yeah, why exactly. wouldn't you say that? So just to be clear, you took in. We so- yeah, actually had
2: the puppy with us as well. So- oh, did
1: you? Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So, yes. Cute conversation. Naughty puppy. We've all been there. So the cover was just for one cushion. So dyeing it. Again, a different color would have created another problem, is Yeah, and is it's that a right?
2: double-seater as well. So we've actually had to – we've taken both cart cushions now to go get recovered, which we couldn't get in the the same color which the rest of the cart is. <laughs> oh, it's, it's going to be a bit of a mismatch, and it's a 20-year-old cart from my girlfriend's mom, so it's a bit of a yeah, – Oh, good. Ideal, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh, Okay.
0: Okay, Daniel, thanks so much. I'm sorry it happened, but thank you for sharing the story with us today so others can learn from your experience. So just to recap, Daniel dropped off a removable slipcover couch cover with uh, what he describes as a fist-sized stain. What he got back was... A much more elongated, bleached out, um, on a sort of a denim blue color cushion with a very large white patch of bleaching. And one on the underside
1: as well, which I'm understanding for the first time now. Is Daniel still with us? Uh, no, he's not. So it would have, the we would have had to have seeped right through according to the, um, owner's response, which, well, let me, let me go into what he said. you tell us what the owner said? Sure. So, um, they said um, the owner of, of Washpro, Pro, uh, Willis Duplessis, Washpro being down here in the Cape and the owner um, being in Gateng, he said the products we use can't take the color out. They are products which can be used on colors. Um, it's his word against mine as to whether he revealed that it was dog urine or not um Willis uh, said repeatedly that it was dog feces as well and they don't allow that for hygienic reasons and Daniel was has said that was it, never yeah. he's never changed the story he went and and it was it was clearly from his side only spoke about dog urine um he said, Willis, the owner said, the damage of the color was done when the dog weed on the cushion. That loosened the color, and when you wash it, then the color then comes off completely in reaction to the cleaning product. That's why it seemed like there was no damage when he handed it in, but the damage was already done. Um, and then he said, you know, he'll be down at, at uh, the laundromat of his on the week of the 24th, and we'll chat to his staff then. Um As I said, it boils down to the he said, she said around how Daniel, um, described the nature of the stain when he handed in the cover. Um, so yeah, clearly if the company, if the, um, yeah, if the laundromat knew about the nature
0: nature of nature of the stain,
1: um, it would then most definitely be on them if they didn't say, we can't accept this because in our experience, um, you know, this is what happens with, with dog urine mixed with our, with our cleaning process, um, which okay. didn't happen. So unfortunately, we, that was as far as I could take it. And I thought, let's share this, um, as a, you know, to, to get the message across that whatever is said verbally, there's no proof of later. So. Um, Especially with dry cleaners, I would take a a photograph of what I've handed in first of all, so Mm -hmm. there's no dispute later around the state of 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 the stain and that. Yeah, yeah. and then as well, um, put on the sheet that they give you. um, Owner, uh, uh, they must note um, type of stain, stain, dog urine, whatever it is. Um, and then you know, as with all these cases that I take up, basically, if you've got the solid documentation, it makes it so much easier if things go wrong to, to argue then your case. To argue. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so thank you to Daniel for sharing that. After the two thirty news headlines, we'll get a legal view on the response here and 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 those T's and C's and how they sit with the Consumer Protection Act. Um, but I just want to put it out there: if anybody else has had this kind of experience with a dry cleaning or laundromat uh, business where you dropped something off and uh, expecting to get it back beautifully sparkled new and clean and instead got back something that was damaged or worse off than what you dropped off were you able to get it resolved did the business take responsibility for it or did you have the kind of battle that daniel has had in this particular case you can tell us with a voice note to 072 567 1567 we're back with Wendy Nola uh, and just wrapping up the conversation about the dry cleaning episode uh, that you heard. If you've just tuned in before the break, Daniel described to us how he took in a sort of a slip cover, a cushion cover from a couch that a puppy had weed on. It was a small sort of fist sized uh, mark and he did tell them the nature of the stain when he dropped it off. When he went to collect it, he found that A, the mark was much bigger and B, it was completely bleached out. So his, his sort of light denim colored uh, couch fabric had a big unsightly white. I stain. All the way across two sides of the fabric um, and uh, the response when he uh, said, but hang on a second, you're giving me back something which is not in the condition I dropped it off in, the response was, sorry uh, you, customers own risk, our terms and conditions uh, and limited liability apply here and there's nothing we can do. Was that an adequate response? I know that Wendy has been chatting off air with uh, consumer, consumer Attorney Trudy Brookman and has filled her in um, on the details of the case. Trudy it's always wonderful to have you on the show, thank you and uh, look forward to having you be a Get a contributor again in 2022 all the best to you for the year
3: ah thanks so much pippa the feeling is mutual
0: thank you very much okay so wendy um uh, sort of set the scene for us and, and read to us the response from the owner of this business um uh saying basically we don't bear any liability here i know she's been discussing it with you as well um what do you make of their response
3: Okay, um maybe I can back up and start saying that what we're dealing with from a, a legal perspective here is an exclusion of liability uh clause okay. and it's um so it's a contractual clause that a supplier use uses in this case a uh, um a service provider as opposed to a supplier of goods um uh and and uh, it's a mechanism that we as lawyers use to try and either exclude liability. Uh, for any damage that we cause for for any damage that our client will cause um, or to limit that liability and their little clause actually tries to do both of those at the same time and then it imposes some conditions for claiming because it says no complaint can be considered after 14 days of delivery of the goods and then they also say we're not responsible for loss uh, as a result of colour loss and that of course is the issue with the the couch cover. So um, now, with an exclusion of liability, as a lawyer, um, uh, well, if you're working for the for the supplier, of course, you always try and put a, mm. an exclusion of liability in place like that. But if we are um, thinking from the consumer's perspective, we're going to check first: is this thing valid? Because as a consumer, I want to say to to all of us uh, who are listeners. Um, and, and, uh, as consumers, and of course all of, the, all of us, um, are that, um, that we mustn't take an exclusion of liability like that at face value. It's not necessarily valid. And people, uh, put them in place even when they know very well that they're not necessarily okay. going to be valid in every situation. So, um, we need to weigh that up against what does the law say? And the law says in section 54 that, um, a supplier um, must return any property that is entrusted to it um, and belongs to the consumer in at least as good a condition as it was when the consumer made it available to the supplier for the purpose of performing those services that they, that they perform. So that means that the consumer here has a right to get back his couch cover Um Without bleach marks and in in the same or a better condition, Um, and one hopes that all the um, (laughs) doggy wee has been has been washed out by the time that they get it back. But at least it needs to be in the same condition. Um, So. If one could just exclude a, a legal uh, provision like that by having a contractual provision, then I would, I can tell you now, I'm going to write this afternoon to SARS to say to them, I have an exclusion of liability provision that says I don't have to pay VAT or tax- income tax. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> and, and of course that doesn't work, right? Right. <laughs> so, so. so. We need to check whether it, it fits with the law or not.
1: Okay. So I think what was quite material here as well is um that the the consumer Daniel says he very clearly said he went in with the puppy in question and said this puppy weed on on this so and and he said they, the woman said well I'll try that good old trusted what, I forget the words sort of remedies to old get remedy, this out yeah. um the company now says the boss, who hasn't actually been on site um, since this happened, ha- has said that his staff say that um, he never said um, any such thing. And actually, it didn't just have we on it; it had dog dog, dog poo as well. And, th- and Daniel says that's nonsense. Never. So I've always say take yeah. this, take a photograph and and note it. So that obviously would help one. But I've read through quite a few terms and conditions of dry cleaning operations uh, when I was researching online, South African ones I should say. And many make reference interestingly not to the CPA which applies in South Africa where they're operating but to a decades old from the 1960s, Australian National Fair Claims Guide for Consumer Textile Products from the International Fabricare care Institute. Wow. And the TCC the say things like, in the rare and unlikely instance that your garment is lost or damaged by S-dry cleaners, we will issue you a credit note to the value of that garment. As specified in the IFI, that That institute Yeah. This guy takes into account the average life of the garment, depreciation for the age of the item, current replacement cost. That sounds reasonable. But um, then it goes on to say it limits the liability to. Um, 2,000 rand per individual item, maximum disbursement per customer. So you'd have a big customer that had hand in a lot would be 30,000 rand. Wow, okay. But in most cases it would be 2,000 rand. And then the other part that really uh, struck me, and I saw it in several of these dry cleaners' terms and conditions, although we are not liable for damage or loss due to the fault of third-party cleaners or service providers, we may choose to reimburse you, into, um, the customer in, the, in in these events pursuant to the IFI. Well, um, yes, if you could speak um, firstly about we are not liable for the um, uh, actions of our um, any fault on the part of our third-party cleaners, bear in mind that most cust- in most cases the customer wouldn't even know where, they, where was they're transacting with this yeah. entity and, and the things go elsewhere and then they say we're not liable. Mm-hmm. And then also... Um, you have sort of mentioned it already, the limiting of the, okay, well, if we do accept liability, we're not paying you more than 2,000 rand per item.
3: Okay. The, um, the CPA is uh, drafted in such a way that it, it takes into account that service providers and suppliers are often a, a, a chain So you have a manufacturer out in China, then you have an importer who's maybe based in South Africa, you have a a distributor wholesaler, and then eventually you you buy the product from the um, retailer. Mm. Um, And all of those are jointly and severally, so I'll explain what that means, um, liable to the consumer, um, because... The consumer often doesn't know, and that's why we're so on the back foot as consumers, and why um, the normal, uh, co- uh, common law uh, remedies that were available to us before the Consumer Protection Act became effective actually didn't work, and, and it was such a problem for us, and that's why we needed the Consumer Protection right. Act. So, um, so as you as you've pointed out quite rightly. Uh, it's, we, As a consumer, you have no idea who, who was the person who was, who was negligent. You hand in your goods to be uh, dry cleaned, you get them back. You have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. And as a result, the CPA says it doesn't matter who the supplier was. All of those suppliers in the supply chain are jointly and severally liable. And what that expression means is that... Any one of them can pay you out and once they've paid, the others are absolved from having to pay you um, or they can decide that they're going to, you know, each pay half or each pay a third if there are three of them or whatever. They need to sort it out between themselves um, from the consumer's perspective Whoever you decide to complain to, um, that party has to find the money, uh, whether out of their own pocket or from the other um, suppliers in the supply chain, and they need to pay you out. So um, as a consumer, actually, we're in a fairly sweet spot. One can just reject um, any um, attempt to fob off Mm. uh, a claim onto a third party. The the law is on your side um, in this regard. So then secondly, with regard to the exclusion of liability, um, what the CPA, the Consumer Protection Act, says with regard to when exclusions of liabilities or limitation of liability clauses um, are valid is that we have to check them against Section 48 of the Act, which says unfair, unreasonable and unjust clauses are um, prohibited in South Africa and they are invalid in terms of Section uh, 51 of the Act. So um, if we look at, at what is fair, reasonable, and just in the situation, you hand in uh, your cover. Um, the, the process behind the scenes is done by a person who gives themselves out as being a cleansing expert. You mm. um, you didn't um, as a consumer didn't uh, specify what the treatment should be um, and must have been wrong on wrong on that front no they decided how they were treated um, and then it becomes completely unfair and unreasonable and unjust if they then hand you back a damaged product which was damaged well under uh, their control and say no 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 we're not liable so according to section 48 the um Exclusion of liability clause is not valid and not enforceable. And then there's a further requirement that says even if you can, um, if if you've worded your exclusion of liability or more likely your limitation of liability um, clause in such a way that it does actually pass muster in terms of the consumer law and in terms of the requirements of fairness. Then it has, it only applies if it has been drawn to the attention of the consumer uh, up front before they enter into your transaction. And normally they would need to initial um, ah, yes. or sign the right, right next to it to show that they have accepted <laughs> this um, <laughs> risk um, and they're happy to go ahead with the transaction. And that hasn't happened yet. Very right. so good point. Say, Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, this, this, this clause is not. Uh, enforceable at all and their remedy is, is that they need to be made, that the damage needs to be made good to them
0: okay Trudy Brookman thank you as always for your input and that's very unequivocal so maybe a to be continued I was conversation about to say that, that exact you know. exact thing. okay yes. Trudy is of course a Cape Town based consumer attorney I uh, appreciate your input this afternoon so we're going to leave it there for now uh, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back with the latest on the great fish paste debate after this lunch with Pippa Hudson and now consumer talk featuring Wendy Nola Shaz and Glenn, Ken, thanks for your WhatsApp, saying it's ridiculous. You can simply remove urine, both human and dog, by using water and soap. They went fancy and used some chemical, which caused the damage. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to leave the do- the dog wee story and move on to the great fish paste debate. And um, just to give you an indication, Wendy, of how deeply the Cape Talk audience cares about this, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> WhatsApp's in already. To set the scene for those who have been on holiday and don't know what's going on here, Fish paste has been disappearing rapidly from the shelves, both the Pex, Pex and Chevette and the Red Row. Uh, I mentioned it on the afternoon drive last week when our list, uh, one of our listeners emailed to ask where it had gone. Another listener named Nikki who really loves uh, and well, she likes it, her husband loves it, she told me. She actually took the uh, made the effort to email Pioneer Foods and ask where the fish paste had gone. And to their credit, they actually phoned her back to say, unfortunately, uh, Pex has been discontinued and the factory is closing down. Down. And Nikki said she asked them for a reason uh, why, and they didn't give her an answer, which is where I asked Wendy to investigate. A few of your WhatsApps. Here is the million-dollar question. Somebody is saying, please ask Wendy why the fish paste has been removed. I think that is the burning question. It would help us so much to understand why. Is it because PepsiCo is such a big international organization? Perhaps they could market um, the, the anchovy spread uh, to the rest of the world. Yeah. Somebody else saying, I feel that the fish paste story is a a lot like the Lay's salt and vinegar chip story. Maybe mm-hmm. sales were down and taking it off the market will make consumers want it all over again. Conspiracy much. Uh Here's another one. Pam in Pineland saying about six or seven years ago, the UK banned the import of fish paste for sale in the SA shops in the UK, possibly because it didn't meet food standards. Maybe this ruling has affected export sales. And then one more from Carol for now who was sent us a picture of a box containing at least eight jars of Red Row. Mm. <laughs> Carol says, I had a gut feeling and I quickly charged across the road to our supermarket and Summer bought the whole lot. I love Red Row. It's my favorite from I more than 60 I <laughs> my Wed I want my Wed Okay, so Pam's got a stash. No, no, Carol's got a stash. I'm not going to say where Better Carol lives. she put does. them in the safe. She'll be, she'll be mobbed. Uh, Wendy, okay, let's get to it. Well, I know you've Simple been looking answer. into this. What yes.
1: What find out? Um, not enough people... Love Wedro and Pex and Chevette. That's the that's what Pioneer it. Food says. So, um, it took me a bit of digging to get the exact date, but on November the 8th last year, I know that Nikki was told the factory is closing down. Well, it's a fair completion, I'm afraid. It closed down on the 8th of November last year in Saldana. It's the one plant in South Africa. It produces produced both Pex and Chevette and Red Row. And, um, the uh, company spokesman, told me that um, we've seen a, gla- a gradual disc- decline in sales over the past few years as appetites have shifted. Um, that's Pioneers Group, comms manager Debbie Sherwood. Um And uh, what, what happened was, I suppose <laughs> they did it to avoid panic buying, mm. but they told the retailers and said, for your December order, which is going to be your last, you may want to make it a bit of a bumper one because there's there no more coming. Yeah. Um, so... So they knew some would have chosen, depending on their market, some would have chosen to stock up, but others not. Um, and uh, we only it only it became, you know, entered the public discourse possibly late yeah. last week, mainly this week, when people started commenting on social media about the fact that they just couldn't find, find it, it and yeah. what's going on. And, and, and we know the story now. Um so yes, um, the the people that are fiercely devoted to this pinkish spread have been swimming against the tide for some time of <laughs> you know tastes and um, that I mean, is that is that it
0: Wendy is, I mean has this particular fish swum off into the great big n- well, blue never to be seen again or?
1: I, I, I suppose um, it's not entirely over but um, Debbie Shaw told me yesterday Pioneer is in the process of finalising the sale of the related assets and brands to a third party. I've, mm, it's not a done deal, okay. essentially. Um, ideally, don't wouldn't you think that they'd want to take over a, a going, concern, going concern, not wait, close its doors for a few months, and then start up again as the conspiracy theories are rife. Yep. It's not exactly the same um, as the Layers because I was very annoyed about that because I particularly liked Layers' um, salt, salt and vinegar, and vinegar. chips. Yeah. And... Um they um, discontinued that, that, that variant in February of 2020. And then a year later, in February last year, they said, wow, this wonderful press release. we realize so many people love it and it's can't, it's irreplaceable and blah, blah, blah. So we're bringing it back for a limited time, which they did, and I bought a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's gone again because, oh, sorry, like what? Didn't enough people buy no, it was always going to be for limited I think but the press release hinted that
0: It was back for people
1: good. didn't yeah. it I just felt very manipulated by that whole process. It left a very sour taste and a distinct now lack of salt and vinegar <laughs> taste in my mouth. Um yeah, so I, I can understand it's the same company, PepsiCo, which bought Pioneer. I can understand people feeling oh, here oh, we go suspicious. again. Yeah. And um it may be I don't know who they're not saying who's in negotiations. Um, it may or may not. I wouldn't get my hopes up, um, but yeah, bearing in mind, so, so the last uh, jars for now were manufactured on the eighth of November. It has a shelf life. Obviously, if it's on, in the cupboard and not hasn't been opened yet, it has a best before a shelf life of two years. So that's best before the eighth of November, twenty twenty three. Okay. So if you can find stocks, Debbie said that. Um, the Woolworths out at Palmera. um, had. Palmyra
0: Junction. Palmyra Junction okay. had
1: lots. That was, and that's the first place I've said it. Um, that was yesterday. So brace yourselves. Brace yourselves, are coming. yes. Um, <laughs> that word might have got out in the intervening 24 hours and, uh, and the stocks might be gone. But, you know, I would say, you know, that now would be the time to panic buy if you found it buy it. <laughs> <laughs> because you okay. don't know that it's going to continue and if it does continue will it be the same so I'm, I'm pre-empting I don't know what people are going to say but it's so easy to make and it's just the same I mean, Yes, we're just talking about the packaged the package version. The, the bottles, yeah. the little jars. Um, okay,
0: so I had several, when I mentioned this on the on the Afternoon Drive show last week, we had several listeners calling in with their own homemade versions okay, made surprised. from anchovies. I've that a lot. Uh, it can be done, and Google is your friend in this case. If you are really missing it, you can find lots of recipes online to make your own version. But if it has to be the anchovette or the red row, okay, so... Possibly, if that third party sale goes through, they might take over and start the business up again. For now, though, what is on the shelf is all that is going to hit the shelves for the time being. Uh, so if you see it, buy it. As I related a day or two ago, Wendy, when our family moved to the USA in 1982.
1: They don't know about fish paste do They, they didn't know about fish of paste. Not. They didn't
0: know Bovril either. We took an entire builder's <laughs> box full of Bovril, fraybentos Marmite, and fish paste. And the family legend has it That when that box was empty We came home <laughs> Which is in the middle of 1983 I I, I I don't think a lot of it Was fish paste It was mainly the bottle that, that, that had to last um, But there we go People feel very strongly About this And um, I, I really feel sorry For those for whom It is the staple Your midnight snack your, We've just got uh, home From the theatre You want a little nibble Before you go to work uh, exactly. I mean, to sleep It's, it's got, got all your memories Wrapped paste. up yeah. in
1: it as well um, I like it But I don't eat it That I found an unopened jar Which is uh, valid for an another... You could auction it, Wendy. No, no, suddenly I desperately want to eat it because that's the thing when something's taken away. I mean, I when I was living in Durban, I didn't swim in the sea all that often. When I moved here, I've not, whenever I go home, I'm totally obsessed with swimming in the warm Indian Ocean because, you know, you there's have, a deprivation yeah, yeah. factor. And I think I mean, if you look at the comments on social media, a lot of people felt they suddenly are very sad. But the point is, unless you were buying it regularly... Um, You know, it, it's you were part of the gradual decline in of sales. You know, I remember okay. when I was a student going to a coffee shop. I mean, that was a, a cup of tea and yeah. and and toast because it was cheap and it was delicious and that was my thing. Yeah. Um So so I, I do think it's. I mean, for me, I was trying to think what what product would really really distress me, and uh, the closest I can get to apart from the flipping chips would be Tabasco, <laughs> which is <laughs> unlikely because it's an American product. But yeah. I mean. I I totally understand this feeling. You feel completely bereft, and you know it's totally unfair. All for tomato sauce. Yes, probably that too. Although I don't eat it all that often, but when I want tomato sauce, I want you want that that one. Yeah, that one.
0: Okay. So that's the bad news, I'm afraid. If you've got it, hold on to it. The best before date. Do obviously keep an eye on whenever you bought your particular batch. But the, the last best before date is going to be the 8th of November, 2023. Talk nicely to Carol if you want to buy a jar off her. I'm sure she'll charge 500 <laughs> rand a bottle. She should. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> For having well. the foresight to go and stock up. Okay. And yeah. Um, and Wendy, as you said, the psychology, a lot of people are very deeply suspicious that this is a marketing ploy, but there is an actual Sale of the plant involved, uh, which is different to to the Lay's chips saga, uh, in this case. Okay, before we run out of time. Wendy, I did promise Mohammed in Lansdowne that I would put his Mm -hmm. question to you because I think it is one that can be relatively easily answered off the top of your head. Mohammed bought a car battery from a fairly reputable chain, he says, and the battery died while it was still under warranty. It was replaced. My question is, does the warranty for the replacement battery start from the date the original battery was purchased, or does a new warranty period start from the date that the replacement battery was provided?
1: It inherits the balance of the warranty on the original item. So when you buy that product, you've have, you've have guaranteed use of that product um for x number of years. So now when it dies or prematurely or something goes wrong, they are now replacing it with a new battery. You you already had the use of those how many years Four of months, a battery? Yeah. It was a second-hand used battery. Now they replace it with a new one, and that's the reason why. And I know it's, it's the same with geezers, and people get really nose out of joint about this one. But that's how it works. The guarantee of the use of that product was for X years, and by replacing the original one, they are guarantee they are making good on that guarantee. But the you don't get a further. It's not a. It's not um, enrichment. You don't yeah. get. A further number of years, you just get the original warranty. So it's perfectly correct and legal. The replacement battery um, doesn't have a fresh warranty; it inherits the balance of the previous one.
0: Thank you for explaining very clearly why that is, as well. Appreciated, Mohammed. There we go. Easily asked and answered. And appreciate your email. If you do want to raise an issue with Wendy for a subsequent show, just a reminder that the email address to use is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. And uh, just a reminder, please, to to try and put all of the detail into one email. Wendy, I know it makes your life so much easier when all the reference numbers and all of the dates and attachments are all in one place with a single email.
1: Yeah, they're rare, 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 and it, I'm so appreciative when it happens because what if it's a big company and I have an established contact there, which is so many of the complaints. I press forward, I add my comments, I say, make my ask my questions, give them a deadline. It's done. If I go back, it's not just more work. It means, in so many cases, the response I don't see because I, I don't see a lot of emails. I miss because of the volume. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, ugh, I just tear my hair out. Um. I understand we forget little things, but people don't give me account numbers or dates or cell phone numbers when it's a faulty cell phone or just the most basic things. The and name of the store I think sometimes they think yeah. that I must get back to them in advice and say if I can take it up. But, you know, it it's more work for me without any admin help. If I can just get a fully formed, complete email, hit forward, do my thing, um, your chances of success and help are just
0: Exponentially yeah. higher. Yes, Okay. absolutely. And on that happy note, thank you for all the successes our consumers have enjoyed because of your hard work. Wendy, we'll chat again next week. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. That.